Yo, DJ. Are you the mixing yet? Your DJ has only just begun. Welcome to the Shaleen Show. Shaleen has helped thousands with her books, seminars, and online academies. Your host once beat Vanilla Ice in a highly competitive performance competition. What's up, lifers? So happy you're spending this time with me. Yes, it's true. I did beat Vanilla Ice in a very serious battle. Now, just to be honest, it wasn't the Vanilla Ice, but it could have been. It was in the late, I think late 80s, maybe early 90s. There was a show on TV called Putting on the Hits. And I just, you know, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I do a pretty mean Madonna. So I entered all the like local competitions and uh, I took it all the way to the finals. And it was me and Vanilla Ice. Ice, Ice, and I was like, oh, my God, this guy's good. He's got backup dancers. And they, they were doing that whole, like, you know, he would, like, spin around in a circle. And he had the hair and and the running man. And I was like, I, I just got to pull out all the stops here. I got to go for it. I need to roll around on the floor. I need to do, like, her MTV appearance. And, ladies and gentlemen, this is a PG show. So I will not go into the details of what I needed to do to win that lip sync competition. But my inner Madonna really came through. And I won. I never made it onto the show show. But I won the local when the local battle against Vanilla Ice. Ice, baby. Today we're going to talk about the healthy habits of fit people. Now, I happen to know a lot about this because I have spent the last 20, 25 years working with people to be their best. And when I say fit people, I want you to know I'm not just speaking about an outward fitness, like a physical fitness, but an inward fitness. So that relates a lot to sleep and nutrition and balance and taking care of ourselves. But what I'm going to share with you today is specific to the eating habits of fit people. I'm not going to tell you much about their precise diets. What I will share with you today are the 11 most consistent and common habits, eating habits of healthy fit people. What I'm going to share with you today is not like the popular stuff necessarily. This isn't my opinion. It's just a collection of the similarities I found in working with people who it's become a lifestyle. Like it's not something that they do on a short-term basis and they look great for a couple of years and then they gain it all back. I'm talking about what those individuals have in common, those individuals who you can see them 10 years from now and they still look amazing. And it got me very curious because my family history, my background, I grew up in Michigan and both sides of my family, both my mom's side and my father's side, I mean, eating well and exercising was not something I was really exposed to. In fact, most of our activities surrounded food that was unhealthy for you, high in sugar, high in fat. high in comfort. And I I don't really remember any exercise until my mom started becoming a jazzercise instructor when I was like in my mid-teens. But until then, everything was either like really, really high fat, rich, high sugar, unhealthy foods, or there was lots of talk about dieting. And most of the talk about dieting was with my relatives who were, quite frankly, always overweight. I started to, as a child, associate the term diet with a negative, like, oh my gosh, if you go on a diet, you're going to look like these people who are just tortured by food and it must be dieting that makes you overweight. I think that's why I really gravitated both myself and my sister to exercise because we knew that loaded in the chamber of our genetic gun was the propensity the possibility of being overweight. But that doesn't necessarily mean we were destined to be that. We wanted to do things differently. So 
both of us decided, I don't know if it was a like a, you know, a formal decision, but I think just forming our own opinions growing up, we decided, let's be active, let's dance, let's do things. And it was much easier to feel good and to maintain our weight. But this show isn't about me. This show is about me having to learn about these things as an adult because I didn't learn about them as a kid. I mean, I just I just didn't. And so it was so interesting and curious to me to learn from people who as an adult, I needed to make my role models. I needed to learn from my own clients. Once I became a personal trainer, I knew how I had done it, but I wanted to learn how the rest of the world, in particular, those people who have long-term healthy habits. So I'm going to share with you those healthy habits today. The first one that I learned was that even though when you buy a diet book, there's all this variety. It's like, here's 12 different dinners that you can eat, and here's 62 different lunches you can choose from. What I find with most very fit people is that they don't have a lot of variety in the foods that they eat. You know, even though diet books give us tons of options and they're hoping that you won't get bored and that you'll love this way of eating, the truth is people who are able to maintain their weight and their health for long periods of time need to find an easy solution. And one of the easiest solutions is to eat primarily the same two or three or maybe even four things for each meal. I just want to clarify, I'm not suggesting that's what you need to do. I'm simply sharing with you the commonalities that I found with working with these individuals over the last 25 or 30 years. I would find that they, instead of eating a huge variety of foods, they typically stick to two or three Three different things that they love for breakfast and they love for lunch and they love for dinner and they love for their snacks and and over time they might replace one but there's so much of the same because it allows them to best predict and stay true to the number of calories and fat and carbohydrates and and all of those other nutrients that help them to maintain weight without having to think about it so oftentimes I would say to someone who's been able to maintain their weight for a long time, I'm like, so do you calorie count? They go, no, no, I never calorie count. I eat when I'm hungry. And I'm like, that just, there's got to be more to that. That just doesn't make sense to me. Because if the average person, you just turn them loose and say, don't worry about how many calories you're eating, they'll just overconsume. I mean, we look at the research and over and over again, it says that people overconsume and they underestimate the number of calories they're consuming and they overestimate the number of calories that they're burning while doing exercise. So when I dug a little deeper, what I found is that they weren't counting calories because they no longer needed to. What they were doing was sticking to a very regimented diet that was approximately the same size, approximately the same nutrients every single day, which allowed them to maintain control and turn it into a lifestyle as opposed to a short-term diet. Number two, now you often hear people say that they start their day with breakfast. And I've taught that for years and years and years. And it's something that I've done for years was, was to eat some breakfast, myself included. I always told people, you need to start your day with breakfast. But as I began researching and interviewing people who are able to maintain this really incredible fit lifestyle for years and years and years, what I found was they weren't starting their day with a big breakfast. They were typically, if anything, starting it with something very small just a little bit of protein if they were going to be doing a workout or just a little bit of something with complex carbohydrates before they start their workout and then doing a heavy workout and then having, I guess what you could call a brunch. Some people would call it a breakfast, but it was later in the morning. But it's interesting to me that for years, you've always heard, well, start your day with a big breakfast. If you talk to those 
who are really honest about what they're doing, most of them at least reported to me that they don't start with a big breakfast, that they usually are consuming their biggest meal somewhere between breakfast and lunch. Now, if you listen to episode number one of The Shalene Show, you probably heard my interview with fitness expert Melissa McAllister, and I loved the honesty of her interview where she shared with us how she doesn't eat her first meal until 11 a.m., but for years and years and years, she kind of was almost... um, not embarrassed, but uh, worried that if she shared that with people, she would be shunned because that wasn't the quote unquote popular advice. So again, this show is not about the popular advice. It's about me revealing the honest collection of interviews, the honest collection of information from interviews and time spent with people who have been able to maintain long-term fitness. Number three, These individuals hydrate and they hydrate and they hydrate. There's no way around that. I mean, there's just no way that you can maintain long-term health. And I'm not talking about being thin. I'm not talking about weighing less because certainly you know people who are on the Diet Coke and cigarette diet and they can weigh less, but they're not healthy. You can see it in their face. You can see it in their skin. You can see it in their energy levels. But those who have high energy and are able to power through their workouts and don't have all of those chronic fatigue and dehydration issues and stomach cramping and bloating, those individuals all have one thing in common. They drink tons of water and they're constantly replenishing their hydration. That helps your engine to run smoothly and keeps your skin glowing. Number four, these individuals eat smaller meals, but more often. Now, again, that's not to say that you can't have this incredible level of fitness and just consume three meals a day. I know plenty of people who do. In fact, those who are eating according to that eight hour window, you pretty much have to eat three big meals. There's there's not enough time to eat six meals. You'd just be eating constantly, uh, pretty much, if you're trying to fit all of that calorie and nutrition into an eight-hour period. And that's why it's really important to figure out what works best for you. So in reporting to you the best practices of those who are able to maintain their healthy eating habits for years and years and years, decades, I can tell you this, they keep themselves fueled. The period of time where they go without food is in the evening through the morning hours. So between that time, during the day, when most people are eating a giant dinner and then finishing it with a couple of glasses of wine and then some chips, the difference between that individual and somebody who's able to maintain a healthy lifestyle, someone who looks fit, someone who maintains an average level of body fat, is that they are eating on a consistent basis. They're eating at approximately the same hours. They know approximately how many calories they're eating, even though they're not quote unquote counting calories. And they're eating enough to keep their metabolism revving, but they don't eat a lot at night. I know that's such a bummer. For some of you, that might not be bad news. You're like, that's awesome. I don't have a hard time at all um, closing the kitchen in the evening hours. But for those of us who have children and sometimes you feel like you're a short order cook, short order chef when the kids get home, you know, it's hard not to be snacking or nibbling when you're in the kitchen, you know, cooking for everyone. And, and that's our time to connect with our kids. So I really have to be mindful about it myself in the evenings. During the day, it's easy. It's no problem for me to stick to my plan to eat eat what I had intended to eat for lunch, for breakfast, for dinner. It's in the evening where I have a, you know, I, I have to be mindful of it because I'm not hungry. 
It's just I'm there and it's in front of me. And so I catch myself nibbling and, and I try to f- avoid doing that by doing things like chewing gum or drinking lemon water, something other than um, just eating because I'm bored or because we're having a conversation and it happens to be in the kitchen. Healthy, fit people stop eating by a certain time each night and they stick to it. Number five, they eat whole foods. That's huge. That one just came through consistently over and over and over again. Now, while I have interviewed hundreds of people, I've worked with thousands of individuals, I can tell you that the diets vary. You know, I've worked with people who stick to a paleo diet and those who are vegan and those who um, eat according to the 80-10-10 and just about any type of diet you can imagine. But I will tell you this, very consistently, they all eat whole foods as close to its natural state as possible. And that, I'm just going to be frank and tell you, that has taken me years and years to adopt. I can blame it on my upbringing, but it's it just is what it is. I grew up eating everything processed. I mean, we joke about it with my dad because I remember taking long trips in the car up to our weekend cottage on a lake in northern Michigan. It was called Hubbard Lake. And the drive was four hours. And we would all load into um, a cargo van. This is so true. My my dad had this like and mom, they had this like cargo van. They're going to say that the story isn't true. It is so true. And they would put us in this cargo van that didn't have any seats in the back because hello, it was a cargo van. It was me, my sister, and my brother Bill, and my mom and dad would be all comfortable in their bucket seats in the front. And we would be like rolling around in this big empty van in the back with like the luggage and and I would lay my head down on like a duffel bag, like that was the pillow. And were there seatbelts? Nope. There wasn't. And you know, was it dangerous? Yes. And we lived to tell. But perhaps even more dangerous than rolling around the back of a cargo van was the food that we would eat on this four hour drive up to the lake. Like every hour, my dad would stop at a convenience store to keep himself awake is what he would say. And we would all roll out of the cargo van and walk into the convenience store and just buy a bunch of garbage junk. Like I remember like um, having orange sodas and um, we called it pop because we were in Michigan, like great pop and like bags of chips and just junk, total junk. Even when we would eat a sandwich, we wouldn't go to a sandwich shop. We would pull up into another convenience store. And I remember my dad would say, check this out. And he'd, you know, like show you the sandwich that was out of this refrigerator and go, this thing says it'll last for two more weeks. It's got to be good for you. You know, like if, if it can preserve a sandwich, imagine how it can preserve you. Isn't that funny? I mean, it's not funny. It's kind of sad, the logic behind it all. But that's how I grew up eating. So eating whole natural foods was something I was afraid of. I never had tried a vegetable other than, I mean, just a few things that my mom made me choke down as a kid until I was in my mid-20s. I just didn't like whole foods. I hadn't acquired a taste for it. I had acquired a taste for things that were salty and processed and crunchy and came in a bag or came packaged. So I had to learn to eat whole foods. And I just have to tell you, I feel so much better. I look at pictures of myself from when I was like in my 20s and in my you know late teens, like 18, 19, 20, those ages. And I remember one of the pictures I posted online and some Somebody said, oh, wow, you can tell she's had a lot of face work done. I'm like, no, I haven't. I mean, I'm I'm not opposed to it, but I I haven't had any facial work done. 
I just have changed my eating. And I think that my face looks different because it isn't puffy. And I, I'm just not carrying around the same toxins that I was when I was just eating everything processed. And I had to learn to do that because I just kept looking at these people who had long-term health and happiness and fitness and realizing if they're all eating whole foods, including healthy fats, then I've got to just adopt this way of living. My style, however, is gradual. I am not a, okay, where are the rules and I'm going to implement them tomorrow. I tend to do things slowly and gradually. And I think that everyone has to find their way. Some of you are all or nothing. Give me the rules. I will read them and I will change everything tomorrow. And then there are those of us who want to make this a gradual process. If you are the gradual process type of individual, you just know that's you, then my recommendation to you is to learn everything you can about nutrition because the change will happen faster. The more knowledge I acquired, the more motivated I was to make those changes. Which leads me to my next point, and that's number six, that these individuals tend to become experts on nutrition. Invest as much time as you can in learning more about nutrition. Now, I already know that you dig podcasting and there are so many phenomenal shows where you can learn more about nutrition in a very short period of time. The best time to do this, why not while you're working out or on your drive to the gym or while you're folding clothes or while you're preparing dinner? What better time to be learning and gaining that knowledge? Knowledge gives us confidence. Knowledge changes our beliefs. When we change our beliefs, we change our habits. So the more you become an expert on nutrition and how your body works and how your body responds to nutrition and all of the things that are affecting us as a society because of food reactions, because of food allergies, then you will, you'll start to make these changes, not because you've been told to, but because you really want to. And I'm happy to share with you that I'm going to be bringing on the best experts in the industry to share their expertise with you on this show. Number seven, these individuals are not picky eaters, they're careful eaters. They're not dieters, they're careful eaters. And there is a difference. These individuals choose their food carefully, not obsessively. And those who do it obsessively don't have any room for error. And that's just kind of taking it to another level. So what I'm talking about here are people who have balance, people who you can actually go to dinner with. Now, I don't know if you have any friends who are fitness competitors, and and if you are a fitness competitor, I love you, but you are difficult to be around when you are in those couple of weeks just before competition. That's rough. And there are those individuals who then become addicted to the competitions, which means you are forever on this cycle. You're on edge and they have to eat this particular way and they can't do social things and they can't be around certain foods. And it's just really hard to regulate your moods when you're having to restrict for a competition. Now, that's a whole nother show. I have my own feelings about that type of eating and how dangerous it can be for some, not for all. Trust me, I know there are those of you listening who you know how to do it, and I bet you've seen fellow competitors who don't. So I'm going to honor those of you who, who know how to do it the right way. But you just have to be very careful for any of us not to turn 
careful eating into obsessive eating. And it's a fine line. Obsessive eating is when you feel completely out of control because there aren't any options available for you. So you feel like the whole world is coming in around you and that you're going to be a bad person if you if you have to eat this and you have to decline opportunities that are social because there might be this type of food around you or or to even take a bite of something that's quote unquote on your bad list sends you into this this feeling that like everything's going to go down the drain. That's kind of how you know you've slipped into obsessive eating. And in a future show, we're going to talk about identifying the signs of an eating disorder. By eating carefully, you start to feel good about the process and you feel energized from your food and you make room for those things that aren't on your everyday list. They're things that you are eating because it's a special occasion. You're you're making room for those things, but they're not customary. But you don't freak out when those things are the only thing that's available or if, if it just makes your mom so happy if you have a few bites of the birthday cake that she she made especially for you. No one's going to die and the scale is not going to go up three pounds. That's called careful eating. A careful eater takes a look at the nutrition label and wants to know what's in it and how they can make it healthier. A careful eater, when they're dining out, takes a look at the menu and tries to figure out the best possible way to stick to their healthy way of eating. Not a diet, but their healthy way of eating. A careful eater carefully chooses the ingredients and they carefully start with the whole foods, the greens, the vegetables that are on their plate before moving into any of the complex carbohydrates. A careful eater makes a decision about what they're eating and how it will affect their energy. A careful eater thinks about what they're eating and what they're going to be doing the next day. Am I doing a 10 mile run in the morning? If so, how do I need to eat to fuel my body? Number eight, this is a big one, and that is that people who live this way shop this way. You've got to fill your home with healthy, whole foods. Now, if you're not in charge of the shopping, then I recommend you get involved. Because if it's not in your house, you can't eat it, or at least you're less likely to eat it. You can change your habits almost as easily as restocking your refrigerator. And when there are plenty of healthy options that support your goals that are readily available, like you don't even have to process anything, you don't have to wash and clean it, like it's already available for you, then you're not going to grab the junk first. One of the habits I adopted from training these types of individuals was the moment I bring my groceries home from the store, they are washed and cleaned and displayed at eye level in my refrigerator. And the reason why I do this is because for years not having grown up with this habit. I would buy fruits and vegetables. I would put them down below in that little drawer. I think it's called a crisper. I don't even know if that's where you're supposed to put them, but I would stick them down there. And by the time I remembered they were there, I was starving and I was like, oh shoot, now now I really just want to grab something. I have two seconds and I'm going to have to pull these out and wash them and dry them. And I just don't have time for that extra step. Or worse yet, I would completely forget that they were there open up the drawer and find out most of them were covered in mold or just disgusting and mushy and a big waste of money. Now that I'm in the habit of bringing them home, I wash them and I spray them with a a spray that's fully organic. It's called Eat Cleaner and you can find it online. It's a friend of mine. She happens to be a former member of a mastermind that we did together, former member of Three Percenters and she and her father created this incredible, ingenious 
spray. And there are other sprays out there, but this is the one I love because I love supporting a local business too, and you would too if you knew Maria. Um, but it's called Eat Cleaner, and you can find it online, and I'll put a link to it in my show notes. But she has wipes that I put in the kids' lunches, so you can just like wipe down your apple or wipe down your fruit. And it's fully organic. It's It's got some um, natural citric acids in it, and it strips away the pesticides, the wax, the dirt, bacteria, just about anything that you don't want to be consuming. So I simply spray it down with that. And here's the best part. It prolongs the life of your fruit. When you just stick fruit in your refrigerator and you don't clean it or you just clean it with water, there's still bacteria living on that fruit or vegetables. And that bacteria speeds up the process of decay. So by spraying down my fruit, number one, it just looks so appetizing. It tastes better. It lasts longer. And it's ready when I'm starving. And that's when we open up the refrigerator and make a healthy choice. Number nine, these individuals stop eating at a particular time. And what I found is that they really stick to it. They give their body the night to recharge and to rest and wake up in the morning with an empty stomach. They literally stop eating by a certain time before they go to bed. They try to go to bed with an empty stomach. Now, for some of us, that's just unheard of because we use the evening to soothe ourselves. We go, wow, it's been so hectic and crazy and and I'm exhausted. Now I want to sit down with a bag of chips or a bowl of ice cream. And now that everyone's asleep, I can take care of me for a second. But there's better ways to take care of you. One of the best ways you can take care of you is by enriching your knowledge. Read a book. Spend some time listening to a podcast. Write out your activities for the next day. Create your to-do list so that you don't feel so stressed tomorrow. Because healthy, fit individuals stop eating by a particular time almost every night. I don't know if you've picked this up yet. But these individuals are very habitual. There's a lot of habits. And the way to form a habit is not by simply doing the same thing for 21 days. We used to think that was true. Now what we know about forming habits is that we need to identify what it is that makes us feel good about it. What is what is the reward? What is the payoff? And then identifying some sort of a trigger that makes us crave that feeling. So If you're going to practice this, I want you to start craving that feeling of waking up with a flat stomach, waking up feeling like you're recharged and you've rested as opposed to tossing and turning all night while your body is staying awake trying to digest this food that you weren't supposed to be having because you weren't hungry before you went to bed. You were just bored. Number 10, these individuals know how to be what I call politely picky eaters at restaurants. Now, my husband will roll his eyes when he hears this because I drive him crazy when we go to restaurants. He's like, can you just order the way it's offered on the menu? So I'm, I don't know if I fall into the politely picky. I might be the annoyingly picky restaurant patron, but I can tell you that the reason why I've adopted this habit is because of those individuals I've worked with and watched and interviewed and listened to how they go out to a restaurant and adapt the restaurant options to support their nutritional strategies. Here's the deal. You do need to be extra polite. So my recommendation for you is to not make your waitress or waiter have to figure this out for you. You know, you figure that out for them. Say, I would like the fish. If you have the option of having that, is it possible to have that unbreaded? And could you ask that the sauce be on the side? 
rather than asking your wait staff to come up with all the different options, take a look at everything that's on the menu and suggest some options on how you can make this work for you. So find the best possible strategies for you to be able to create this healthy lifestyle by looking at the menu, by looking at your options, and worst case scenario, eat before you go. But don't just sit there with like, an empty plate and a glass of water looking at everyone else like they're such losers for, you know, eating this death food. That's so annoying. Like nobody wants to be around that person. There's nothing worse than going to dinner with one of these people who, you know, they're on a quote unquote special diet and then they show up to go out to dinner with you and then they just sit there with a plate with nothing on it and a glass of water. Well, you know, you're like dipping your your bread into the sauce and oh, ha, ha, bring me another cocktail. Like that makes people feel so uncomfortable. You don't have to indulge in the same decadence. But if someone invites you out to dinner, it's to be social. You can order a salad. You can certainly enjoy a brothy soup and not make other people feel uncomfortable. The worst thing you can do is make other people feel judged by you because of the decisions you've made to live your life healthy. Be low-key about this stuff. People will notice you don't have to make a big stance. And number 11, this is huge. You have to find something other than food to cope with your feelings. That was the huge light bulb moment for me. Because I had to recognize when and why I was triggered to snack. Because I I knew I wasn't hungry. And I didn't even realize I was that big of a snacker. I wasn't necessarily doing it that much in the evenings. But I started keeping a diary to identify those moments when I felt triggered to go just like grab a handful of this or grab a handful of that. And those extra handfuls add up to 100 calories here and 200 calories there that we really don't think about, that we really don't process when we're calculating our daily intake. And what I found was that my eating was not hunger-based. It was brain-based. And this is my own personal account. When I feel the urge to snack, it's when my brain is trying to really figure something complex out. So if, for example, if I get a phone call and someone says, okay, we want to run this concept by you and um, see how you could tweak it or, or, or play with this idea. So that means, okay, I really have to focus. I really have to think. And if I'm listening to somebody else talk, I would find myself kind of wandering towards the kitchen and listening and nodding and then like just you know, grabbing a handful of nuts and kind of thinking and listening and and just snacking when I wasn't hungry. I'm like, why am I doing this? So I realized what it was is I, I was trying to keep my hands busy without doing something that was complicated. In other words, if I was sitting at my desk and having that conversation, to go online wouldn't allow me to focus because I needed my mental focus. But I still needed something to do with my hands. So recognizing that I was doing this, I started keeping a legal pad um, in the area on my desk where I was working and I could doodle and write down notes. And I know that sounds basic, but more so what was important here was catching myself and recognizing that that's what was triggering my snacking. Now, aside from taking a phone call or talking to somebody else, I would also tend to snack when I needed a mental break. So in other words, I've just finished writing a really long email or a blog post or or something that required like a lot of mental focus. And then to kind of like decompress, I would find myself, again, wandering towards the kitchen to get something to eat. Why? I'm not hungry. Why, why am I there? And what I realized was I just... I needed a little mental break. So instead of eating, I had to figure out what else would make me feel that way. And that's music. 
that is music. Music makes me feel that way. So I started, I still needed to feel like I could decompress and I could rest my brain, but I didn't need to do that with food. So the first thing that you should do is think about when are you eating mindlessly and what is triggering that? Is it that you're upset? Is it you're bored? Is it just a habit because it's that time of the day and it's what you've been doing? Are you eating because you feel restricted the rest of the day? You're not able to eat all the things that you want to eat and so you're sneaking food uh, to kind of like get back at that restriction or, or are, you, are you eating food because you're tired and it feels soothing to eat? Now, certainly, you just, you need to eat. I'm not talking about eating in general. I'm talking about the nibbling, the extra snacks, those things that we eat, not for nutritional purposes, not because it gives us energy or makes us feel stronger or because we need it for our next workout. I'm referring to the food that we eat simply because we feel something. We feel an emotion. We feel boredom. We feel happiness. We feel uh, sadness. We feel alone. I want you to identify what feelings are triggering your snacking. Because once you've figured out what's triggering them, the next part's really simple. We just find an alternative, productive form of dealing with that emotion. Because you can't just stifle it down, but you've got to give it some place to go other than your waistline. We're all a work in progress. We can learn from each other. Here I was an expert, a personal trainer. People were paying me hundreds of dollars just to come and work them out for an hour. But I was learning from those individuals how to adopt their healthy nutritional habits. I'd already figured out the exercise. I already knew it made me feel great. I already look forward to it every single day. These are the 11 healthy eating habits of fit people. I hope that you'll adopt some of these habits and and that you'll play with them and make them your own. I don't believe that there's one size fits all for everybody, but if I can help you to maintain a healthy, happy weight and feel good about yourself and it's part of who you are as opposed to something you have to do for a short period of time, I know you're going to be much happier. I'm so happy that we got to spend this time together. I very much appreciate it. Thank you so much for subscribing to both of my shows. Have an awesome day, lifers. I love you. Thanks for listening, lifers. Shalene invites you to join her for her free coaching program designed to help you get organized, productive, and laser-focused on what really matters. To sign up for her free video coaching program, please visit 30daypush.com.